What does it take to grow an agency from zero to seven figures in four years? The first thing I noticed about Joel, founder of Karma Jack, is his joy and zest for life. He has an uncanny ability to make conversations about almost any topic lighthearted, yet packed with insights. Joel talks about investing in smart people, developing the North Star that guides his business, and the habits that have helped him stay focused and inspired him to build the business he has today. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Small But Mighty Agency Podcast. If you're a creative consultant or agency owner who wants to know what the roller coaster ride really looks like to grow your business from one to many, you're in the right place. My guest and I pull back the curtains on the realities of growing and running agencies of different sizes and what it takes to build a team. And if you're anything like me, you want more than the highlight reel. You want to learn from the mistakes of others so that you can stop short of making the same mistakes. I'm your host, Audrey Joy Kwan. I spend my days as a coach and consultant to multiple six and seven figure agency owners. For the last seven years, I've been behind the scenes helping people grow, lead and operate small but mighty agencies. Here at the Small But Mighty Agency podcast, we'll uncover what works and equally as important what didn't work to get these business owners to where they are today. Hey, Joel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Let me start by asking you to tell us about your agency, what you do, and who is on your team. Yeah, so thanks for having me. I'm a podcast virgin. Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> totally. <laughs> Love <laughs> this it. This is exciting. It's my first moment ever. So yeah, I'm Joel Selentine. I'm the founder of Karma Jack Digital Marketing Agency. And so we are a growth-focused organization. Our whole mission and vision is to help businesses grow. And then we use all sorts of different tactics and tools to make that happen. Great. Can you tell us a little bit more about the services that uh, your agency offers? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we do consulting, we do virtual CMO work, we do website development, we do SEO, Google ads, uh, social media advertising, email marketing, text messaging, the whole gamut. Got it. You're a full service marketing agency. All of the things. Yeah. And who is on your team right now? So we have about 23, 24 people on staff now. So I like to talk about our leadership team, which is Hallie Karras. She is our chief operations manager or whatever you want to call it, whatever whatever the title is. Yeah. And she's been fantastic. I actually had an opportunity to work with her in a past life and she was just brilliant. So I said, I need to get her on board. And uh, John O'Diener is another key player in our leadership team. So he's our uh, creative director. We have Rick Tanton, who is our director of advertising. He's done like insane things with insanely large businesses. And so we've been very fortunate to have him. And then (laughs) uh, my dad, uh, although I wasn't planning on talking about it, but uh, I actually yanked my dad out of retirement a few years ago because he's like super nerdy and techie. So he does just a little, little bit of work, but I'm proud to say that I get to work with my dad. It's a pretty cool thing. That's the first time I've heard that. And I love it. I I love that your dad's involved in this business. So I want to ask you how you started Karma Jack. I'm really interested in hearing about this trajectory that you have. You mentioned uh, before we recorded that it's four years in the making uh, that Mm -hmm. you've had and owned Karma Jack. And four years in the making, you've got 23 staff. Tell us a, a bit about how you got there. 
So um, I've had some really great successes in the past. Uh, I grew up in a business called Entertainment Promotions. So it was like where I, uh, I don't know, that was my grow up phase. I was there for a long time. So I got to learn what it's like to see, you know, the big shots and the leaders in that organization, how the whole business operated. So I got to learn a lot from that. And then I've had some unique experiences where I've been able to help some small businesses grow into the multi-millions of dollars, which I'm very proud of. You know, there's a lot of work that that went into that. But I realized in my last, uh, the last job, I'll call it, you know, it was really the last job I've had. I had what most would say on paper is like this dream job. Just like it was amazing. I made a ton of money. I traveled to cool places. I stayed in the best hotels, all those things. But I felt completely empty and I was miserable. My family was kind of breaking apart-ish, or I saw the semblance of that potentially happening. My kids were in their mid-teens. So I'm like, I only have a few years left. So my wife, actually, after having like a really bad day at work, my wife is like, why don't you retire? I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I'm too young to retire, I think. So she's like, well, just take some time and maybe you just need to think about your life in a different way. And uh, that turned into about a month later, I just stepped away, left on really great terms. And that business had grown into the you know, deca millions from a small little $2 million travel agency, actually. And uh, that was the best thing I've ever done. I listened to my wife. <laughs> I should probably do that more. <laughs> so yeah, so I started Karma Jack with this concept of like, I, I was a blog at first, but then I wanted it to be something much more than that. And I wanted to help more businesses than just one at a time. And so I started doing some consulting and then that just turned into digital marketing and then all the things in digital marketing. And then I started to hire staff based off of their skill sets and grew the organization as time has progressed. Coming out of the marketing industry, it sounds like you were in the world of marketing prior to starting your business. What do you think were the advantages of that starting Karma Jack with having been in the industry before? Well, so what's interesting about that is I was really more about growth and business development than marketing. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So that meant I would look at things from like a business owner's perspective. And I think that's actually given me a leg up, at least in the beginning, is I would work with the owner of X company. And I would view all marketing efforts through the lens of a business owner. And by doing that, I was able to clear through a lot of the clutter and what I'll call is you know, potential marketing crap, because there is marketing crap that's out there. There's also marketing, really good marketing stuff too. So that lens has really helped our organization focus on how do we help these businesses grow the right way? How do we get the best return on investment the right way? And that has been kind of like a driving force within our organization. So I personally don't settle for less. If every if one of our clients spends 20 grand in a month on whatever ad platform, I it, like in my heart, like we have to make sure that they get the best return on their ad spend uh, and get the best results. And that has infiltrated within the culture of our organization. So everybody cares very much about how our clients are investing their money or how they're spending their money. And it's just really kind of grown from there. The question that I, that's on my mind, and I, I think might be in the listener's mind as well too, is why marketing agency? Like why have a marketing agency then if business development was your field of expertise? Mm -hmm. You could have done so many different things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think with marketing, you can do a lot with just one person, right? So an ad buyer can be an ad buyer for 
whatever, 10, 10, 20 different organizations at the same time, but one salesperson or one business development person or what have you would probably struggle with anything more than just one company at a time. And so I think I saw the scalable level within the marketing world. Question about your business. In terms of the way that you provide services, are you a project-based or a retainer-based or a mixture of that? We are 85% retainer-based and 15% project-based. Wonderful. Can you tell us a bit more about how you've built a retainer-based business? Perhaps what are some of the learning curves that you had to go (laughs) through to get there? Learning curves. Okay. The retainer-based model is is scalable. It gives you an opportunity to have a regular stream of cash flow, kind of like a little mini salary, if you will. And then that mini salary helps pay for your staff, if you will. Right. And I saw the retainer model uh, kind of like bricks in a wall. So every new client is like a brick in a wall. And as you stack them next to each other and on top of each other, your wall gets stronger. And you have an opportunity to be a stronger organization because your revenues are consistent, which means that you can hire at a consistent level. You can hire the right type of talent at a consistent level. And you don't have to worry about, oh man, is this $15,000 website job, are they going to pay their bill? Right. And that is why I chose to move more on the retainer model. We do projects and they come as clients need. We don't ever push them. It just kind of naturally happens however it's supposed to happen. But that's the reason why we went on the retainer model. And it works really well, especially if you can position things like it, for our agency, as an example, you take all the different things that we do. And if you hire an agency as a full service agency or just one of the tactics, depending on your budget and what you actually need, you hire an agency for less than the cost of one employee, but you get the expert staff of 10 people. Right. And you don't have to deal with the management and the leadership and you don't have to deal with all the costs and employee costs that go along with all that. So when positioned correctly and you have to do a great job and provide that value and grow that business when you're on that model, so you're part of their organization, uh, it ends up being a really great model. Failures. Failures. What are some of the learnings that you had in order to build the retainer model that you have now? When I first started out, of course, I was on a very, very limited budget. I allotted myself a chunk of cash that I said, I'm going to pay myself a salary for eight or nine months. And then if the money runs out, then I have to go back into the real world. If the money doesn't run out, then I've built something that's cool. That was, that was the original concept. Well, sometimes when you're so focused on every penny and all the cash that comes in or doesn't come in, um, you feel like you have to do everything. So in the beginning, because I felt like I needed to do everything because I didn't want to pay anybody to do anything because every dollar that came needed to be hundred percent profit. So I could kind of like get this thing down the road. Uh, that ended up being a big challenge where I eventually had to let go of what I was worst at. And then as time progressed, continue to peel away these layers of things I'm not good at, which means that you have to look at your performance on what you do and say, am I good or am I bad at this? And if you're bad at it, that's the first thing you need to get rid of and hire somebody else who's really good at those things instead. So a lot of what I've done is self beating myself, beating myself up over all the things I'm bad at. But really, it's in relation to making sure that we bring somebody else on that's a superstar in that category. So you go from like, hey, I'm okay at this one thing, but this other person over here is really great at that one thing. 
So I need to peel this thing off, which creates more time for me, which means I can go out and get more clients or make a bigger impact on our current clients or what have you. And then that one individual can do their job and they can love it because that's a thing that they're great at. In terms of growth, business growth for you, has most of it been by word of mouth for your business or are you the sales guy, which is your zone of genius and you've been out there actively doing the sales and marketing for your business? Oh, zone of genius. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Zone of genius. Zero. I'm zero zone of zone of genius. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of other people who are smart on our team though. So that's good. Yeah. So we have a lot of word of mouth. We had a lot of referrals because we do a great job. That's the first thing like, we have mm-hmm. to do a great job. And when you do a great job, good things tend to turn up, right? One client's going to say, Hey, uh, you know, I meet Bob. They love the work that you're doing and he wants to hire you too. Okay, cool. So we get a good chunk of business that way. But we actually follow our own practices and we do advertising and, uh, you know, we get organic traffic to our website. We get leads from Google ads. You know, we, we follow, we follow our practices and then we get business that way. We have a business development specialist. His name is Aaron. He was with me from very close to the beginning. He was really the first person I brought on board. So I just kind of gave him a hug today, which might've been awkward for him, but it was kind of <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah. So Aaron does our business development and then I'll get, I'll get involved in like the bigger, the bigger deals, but he does a great job. I'm really curious. Uh, what did your team look like in year one? So you, this is year four and you mentioned there are 23 people and you've got a leadership leadership team in play. So what did that look like in year one of your business? Year one was just me and John who was doing website stuff. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I think towards the end of year one, I think that's about when I... Uh, oh, and uh, Aaron, Aaron came on. He was probably about five months in. And then uh, maybe around eight or nine month mark, we had picked up a bunch of clients and I was just working around the clock, which is the exact opposite of you know, one of the things I wanted to do. And I called my dad. I'm like, I just need, I just need some help. <laughs> Can you just please help me? <laughs> and that, that help ended up being... Um, what I needed. And then literally the second that I turned over all these things that I really wasn't great at anyways to him, which he loved because he was in retirement and I think he was bored out of this freaking mind. So he was like, yeah, please give me something to do. Right. So here I provide an opportunity for my dad to stretch his mind again. And uh, also I gave away stuff that I'm not great at. And it was like the next week we picked up a, a chunk of clients. Literally it was the sky's aligned the second that I gave something away. And what I've learned over time is that happens over and over again. Every time I give something away that I'm doing and give it to someone else that's great at whatever it is that they do, things just naturally start to open up and business starts to fall in our lap or a cool opportunity happens or like being on this podcast. Thanks for the praise. And I think what you're saying is what a lot of business owners go through, this mindset change from seeing the act of bringing people into the business as a cost to being an investment. And without it, you wouldn't have grown so quickly. I do think that your zone of genius is finding great people. I do have a knack for seeing great talent, caring about that talent, and then making sure that I give the best opportunities for them to thrive. Did you know that I have a free team growth roadmap? 
Imagine if you didn't spend all day, every day in the weeds of running your business. That can mean more flexibility, more freedom, less overwhelm. I created the Team Growth Roadmap to help my clients gain direction on the strategic systems and leadership actions for a streamlined business and a self-managing team to grow your business. Inside the roadmap, I share my compass method, an acronym for each step of the roadmap to get you out of the weeds of running your business and help you have a small but mighty team that gives you more freedom and flexibility. You can get all the details over at AudreyJoyQuan.com. That's A-U-D-R-E-Y-J-O-Y-K-W-A-N.com or click the link in the show notes right there in your podcast app. Back to the show. There was something that I wanted to plug into that I think is important for other people to hear, whether they're a agency owner or not an agency owner. But this idea of having a business that is based on a North Star. Mm. So can you tell us about your North Star? What is a North Star and how did you find yours? Uh, the North Star is kind of by the Big Dipper in the sky. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> 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 so two, and then they point to the North Star. That's where the North Star is. North Star actually comes from John Odina. He's our creative director. He had spent a lot of time with me. Brought him, We brought him on in December last year, early January this year. And man, what a great decision that was, bringing him on board. So he spent a ton of time with me, just whatever, picking my brain. And we continue to, I continue to hear this whole North Star thing because I had this idea of like, uh, giving scholarships to kids that are from low-income areas or uh, low-income families. And he's like, okay, that like that's a North Star. What I didn't understand is he was picking up on a bunch of stuff that I was doing without realizing that I was doing it. So last summer, I was in a place where I'm like, wow, all my dreams have come true. I built this company. I don't even know how I did it. I just surrounded myself with people that are better at stuff and things than I am. Now what do I do? Because money's cool, but there's more to life than just money. And I just focused on understanding how can I make a difference in other people's lives? And by doing that, I created with this concept of like, okay, well, you know, I care about the homeless. I care about these different things. Like I care about all these different things. But the reality is I do have a passion for students that are, they, they just, they came from humble beginnings. I came from humble beginnings and I'm sure I'm pulling from that. Like, how can I give back to those kids that came from, you know, they didn't have money when they were growing up or whatever, but they're good kids. They hustle hard. They're, you know, they're not able to pay for things like Harvard or whatever, but they're bright and they're gifted and they care. How can I help those individuals? So I was like, well, I'll do a paid intern program. I'm like, yeah, that's not enough. And people have this like weird nose turn up on it. They hear intern. It's like you take advantage of people, which of course we don't. So I was like, how can I teach these individuals life skills and because what you learn in college compared to what's going on in digital marketing, there is about a 20 year gap. So how do you teach these kids these life skills? And then at the end, they would get a scholarship that would pay off their last year or a portion of their last year and so on. I was like, okay, cool. I can do that. But what's this insane number that I have to work really hard for, for a very long time in order to get to. And that number is a million dollars a year of scholarships to these, uh, to these kids. It would be about 250 um, students. That is a huge goal, which then instead of like me focusing on my company, like, oh, my company needs to bring in whatever millions of dollars, that number doesn't matter anymore because I'm focused on this 
more important goal of making a difference in other people's lives and Karma Jack or whatever else I do in my life will be a part of helping get to this North Star, which is, you know, the really the undercurrent now of our company. So all of our Mm -hmm. staff is like completely behind it because they see the difference. They get to work with these students. They're local. They get to work with them, teach them. These students get to learn real things. They get to work with like really cool. We've got some really cool clients. They get to do a lot of really fun things. And then at the end of this, they get a scholarship and it's like, that's it. That's what it's all about. So I guess that's the North Star, I guess, where it came from and how that is our current uh, undercurrent with how our organization operates. It's like a mission, mm-hmm. right? It, it really, It's really the underlying mission in your business. And what I hear you say is that it's that mission that has really helped your organization thrive. In four years' time, you went from, like you mentioned, a overworked, overwhelmed solopreneur. And we, we both talked about this before Ew. the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we don't know if we connect to that work. We don't really believe that anyone truly is a solopreneur, right. that they everyone engaged people to help them, right? And and so you, but just for the sake of the using the term, you were, quote unquote, a solopreneur and yeah, in that first year and over four years, you really built a business of 23 people because you have this underlying mission, or as you call it, North Star, that guides all the work that you do. And for you, a new client isn't a new client for the sake of creating a higher bottom line for your business, but it really it plays into the community impact that you guys can have as a organization. Oh man, you're so good at that. Can I steal all that? That was great. I want to plug into how do you work that into your bottom line? What does it look like when a new client comes in? Are you saying that a percentage of the profit that comes in through the door is assigned to scholarships? Uh, I haven't worked that out yet. So this year was our inaugural year and you would got paid intern thing. And, and that that's one model. It's kind of like two different things that we're blending together. And then as far as the scholarships are concerned, it's just a decision that my wife and I have been making. So I haven't, I haven't quite figured out what that mathematical formula is other than next. So we did three interns this year. Next year is nine, 27 the next year, 81 the next year. Like, so that's, that's how I plan on scaling it out. But I don't know how to connect it to clients and revenue because I haven't done that. And we, and I don't talk about it with our clients. This is not something where I'm like, oh, by the way, if you hire us, we do the scholarship. It's like super personal to me and not, or not a thing that, I use for any type of whatever, client, gaining clients or anything of the sort. We do have it on our website though, but okay, it's not the I love what the, you just said. So thing. you're saying that this isn't something that you take to the client and use it as a marketing or a sales tactic, right? And, and I, I think that's the sweet spot, right? That's That's when we know that it's truly, truly genuine is that you have this underlying mission and it's not something that you go out and tell a client that you do as a marketing effort, but really you understand that the impact comes from just doing it. So it sounds like this is still fairly new in your business idea of identifying how you connect and weave that North Star into how you run the business. Yeah. Well, I came up with it last summer. Right? It was June, June 24th, 2020. I was just having, I was like, uh, like all the COVID stuff or whatever. And I'm just like, went out and got a coffee and I sat down on this red metal chair in some park in Detroit. Grand Circus Park is actually what it was. And I was like, I, I need to do just something bigger, better, whatever. And so I came up with this concept. I didn't even know how I was mm-hmm. going to implement it, <laughs> which I'm not the implementer in our company anyways. So 
I just talked to Hallie and she's like, oh, like, let's just do this and this and this. I'm like, that sounds great. Let's do that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like it was just a thing. So we're, we're super young in this part of the scholarship and in the scholarship function is technically outside of Karma Jack. We're, my wife and I are in the process of starting a foundation and I want it to be self-funded. Like, it's not like one of those foundations where you're like, Oh, like everybody donate here. I just, a big part of my career in the past was in fundraising. I'm like, I don't need to do any more of that. So it's more about just, a, it's very personal. And I think that's where the, a lot of the passion comes from. But what's cool though, is it's directly, it is directly related to Karma Jack as far as we bring people through this program and our staff gets to work with them. Our staff totally fell in love with these three kids. Uh, they're, you know, two, at least two, two of them will be doing some, you know, extra work on their last year of school, just kind of on the side with us. Cause we, we just want to help them out as much as we can. Thanks for sharing that. I, I think that it's okay to say that something is new and that you're still figuring it out. I think as business owners, that's the case for a lot of things. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Okay, so what's working well in your business right now? I do think our staffing is, we've got great people. I think that just is working really well. I'm, I guess as I'm talking about this, it does seem like a lot of the, the focus on our company is actually on how do we bring the right people on to do the right type of work for our clients. So that that goes that's definitely going really well and has continued to go well. Can you share more about that? How do you find the right people to serve your clients? Huh. So we do, uh, you know, we'll do the job things and the Indeeds, or maybe we'll do some advertising for certain positions. But what I've learned is somehow I'll pick up, I'll be in a, especially for higher level positions, right? Leadership type positions. I'll be in a conversation with somebody and I just feel something and I start to explore whatever those feelings, <laughs> like, let's talk about my feelings, right? So when I start to explore like, hey, you know, so what, how, you know, how are things going at your job right now? And I'll just start digging deeper. Maybe I'm sensing some issues that they're having at their current jobs or what have you. And I'm a big believer in just focus on people's strengths. Like we all have t- like tons of weaknesses, right? So if you just focus on their strengths, what are those strengths? So at the right time and the right place, I've been able to have a conversation with an individual focusing on what they're amazing at. And then uh, somewhere or another, it just kind of works into we, we bring them on board. Uh, that's on the, you know, the more leadership type positions. Then for our you know, ad buying staff, we'll get some referrals or you know, really the, the, um, you know, the job boards and all those different things. We go through it. But it's really hard to find good people. You got to work hard at it. Yeah. Yeah. I think most of us um, who own a marketing business and, and are building agencies know that it feels like the practice of hiring is something that is constant, that we're always keeping our eyes out for people who are great at what they do. And yeah. um, the best way to hire is not to hire in desperation, i.e. when you really need that person and are willing to settle, but more along the lines of just having those conversations, keeping people in mind, and when the need arises, pulling those conversations up. And like you mentioned, getting a feel for where people are at. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I want to know how you would define leadership in your business right now. Creating opportunities for others to succeed is how I view leadership. And how are you providing that to your team right now? So I like to, I like to challenge. I like to stretch. I'm I can be that stereotypical visionary where I've got 20 shiny objects (laughs) 
<laughs> that we need to chase down. And, uh, you know, they, our, our team does a really great job of reining that in. But a lot of times I'll just look for opportunities to give them coaching advice or what have you. And, you know, maybe we'll do some like role playing or uh, a variety of different things. A lot of our staff right now that I work with directly, we spend a lot of time actually talking about outside of work things. I spend a lot of time focusing on how, you know, how I improve like my life or I work on improving my life and trying to be a better human and all that. And those things tend to somehow work themselves into stronger leadership opportunities because you know, we focus on higher level thinking instead of just focusing on getting lost in the weeds about one particular situation with one particular client, which of course we'll talk about. My, usually my responses are, well, what do you think we should do? It's like, I always ask, what do you think we should do? Usually they have the right idea or they're on the right path and I can like help guide them at that point. So yeah, we spend a lot of time talking about like things like journaling and meditation and those types of things, which end up helping them think clearer and then they perform better. But really I talk with them about those things because I care about them. I don't know this about your agency. Are you guys remote or do you operate under an office, a physical office, I should say? Yeah, we have a physical office, but then we also are remote. It's so my original mission before the North Star scholarship concept was I wanted to be able to live anywhere in the world at any time. This is something I wrote down every day for years, way before I even thought about starting a company. <laughs> it was just this concept of like, I, I know I can do that, right? And so by thinking at that level, somehow I created this path, right? And then that's where things changed last summer with, you know, creating a legacy of success, health, prosperity, and goodwill and perpetuity is my new thing that I write down every day. And, um, and then that drives me moving forward. From the transition of having everyone under a roof to remote, what do you think has been most difficult for you when it comes to leading people in a remote space? We use Asana as a project management tool. Are you familiar with it? I'm an Asana certified pro. So yes, it's my favorite tool. I'm a little bit biased. <laughs> yeah. You and Hallie would get along great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we use that as our communication mechanism. I think that we just added Slack I ask not to be a part of that, but because uh, I don't do the best with distractions. But yeah, Asana is our method of choice to communicate. We do weekly meetings with each individual in their specific categories and look at the performance of whatever it is that they do. And then we uh, also follow an EOS system. Are you familiar with EOS? No, is that a work plan? Uh, it is. Uh, what is it? I guess it's like a leadership it's like an entrepreneur type of program. I mean, I recommend it to anybody. The book is Traction by Gino Wickman. It's great, great book, great read. And it just really helps you set up a structure for your business. And that was definitely a foundational part. I think I, I think I, my sister-in-law actually recommended that book to me about a year in. And I read that book and I was like, oh man, this is totally it. I've got this. So I recommend that to most of our clients and anybody else who will listen. But there is like a scorecard system that we follow on a weekly basis. We do all these different things to make sure that we have checks and balances and the, and the businesses are operating well. 
Yeah, so the scorecard is the urgent, the important, the unimportant, and the non-urgent. Like I, I think it's like the Eisenhower's matrix. Is that is that what the scorecard's like, or so. or is it more along the lines? Of, I've I've heard many different types of scorecards, but it's like mm-hmm. you identify task as like ten dollars, a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, and ten thousand dollars tasks in a business. Oh, interesting. Have you heard of That's that? That's a before? cool. I haven't. No, not, neither one of those. <laughs> yeah. This is more about creating. So you create a 10 year, five year, three year, one year goal and you work your way back and then you break things down into quarterly rocks is what they're called. 90 day planning so, system. Yes. Yep. And then you break that down into different subcategories based off of, you know, whatever. So when Hallie and I are doing our weekly scorecard meeting, we cover accounting, sales and marketing operations. You know, there's like five or six different things that we cover. And within that, there's different. Uh, there's a number for everything. And if you're below a number, we need to address it. If you're above a number, yay, let's move on. Then she runs that system with each individual within their space. Got it. It's a 90-day planning system where you work backwards from, say, your one-year goal to identify projects and objectives hit every 90 days that move you closer to that goal. And then it's a strategic planning tool that you use with your team weekly. Yeah. you spend. So what happens is you spend about 25 minutes of a 90-minute meeting and you're, it's firm 90 minutes. So the first 25, 30 minutes are really focusing on the numbers. And then we have this you know, huge thing of issues or whatever, right? So there's a stack of things that instead of emailing or using Slack or you know, t- banging each other on uh, Asana, we just have we just have all these tasks within uh, you know issues, and we just go through those issues. So an hour doing that probably saves us about seventeen to twenty hours of back and forth, random questions, random calls. I call her to strike. She might be working on a project. I pull her off track and now she's takes her a half hour to get back into the thing and you know, whatever. So it helps us operate at a much higher level, look at the big picture, but we still pay attention to all the, the minute minutia and the, like the tiny little details of the businesses that we serve. Yeah. I think what you're saying is this idea that multitasking costs a lot more than the couple of seconds that you turn your attention away from that task. Because I think there is a study that says that when you turn your attention away from the task, that it's not those seconds that you give up, but it's like 20 minutes in order to snap back into the flow that you were previously in. Yeah. Yeah. It's 20 to, you're right. Yeah. It's 20 to 30 minutes. So if you talk to engineers or computer programmers, a lot of times they like to work in the middle of the night because there's no distractions. No one's calling them. No one's emailing them. There's nothing going on. They hammer on their Mountain Dews and they crank out work. And I am a big believer in that philosophy. There's another book I will always recommend to people, which is The One Thing by Gary Keller. And he really talks about spend the first four hours of your day doing the most important things. Yeah. Where it's distract, distracted free. So I hammer on stuff the first three, four hours of each one of my days. And then, um, then I've got this, like, basically it's like free time to play with work because I love what I do. So I get to like call people and whatever, like look at analytics or do whatever nerdy stuff I feel like doing at that time. I'm glad you said that. I actually love the 7am to the 9am mark of my day. Like I, I oftentimes feel like that's when I get the most important work done because I don't feel like my inbox, I don't feel that like I need to be in my inbox. And it's just, you know, the time of day where I'm most focused on stuff that 
I would say is important to my business, but it may not seem urgent. And I like I I value those hours that I have every single day. Yeah, you can tell I'm a morning person. I'm a morning person. I'm not yeah. like, when you said the whole midnight thing. I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> definitely yeah. not my style. Yeah, that well, that when especially when I started, I would wake up at I would wake up at four o'clock in the morning every single day, but only having a couple clients. But what I did though is I honed my skill during that period of time every single day, uh, it was like religiously. And I have a whole system that I follow, and I would um, I would do that. I realized later that I, I need more sleep. <laughs> I was stressing myself out because I wasn't sleeping enough. So now I'll sleep until like whatever, five o'clock. <laughs> Wait, five o'clock in the morning. Not yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not a night person. No, I'm a, I'm definitely a morning person. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So five o'clock is is a good time. It, like I I find that I'm I'm up usually at five, but I don't like I don't hit the the work. Like I when I say work, it's more like things that are passion projects from like seven to nine, the things that yeah. really inspire me. But I, I am up early, but I don't work at 5am. I do have a routine myself. So one of the things that I do is I run like I just that's kind of like the thing that I have to do. And running is like a running meditation for me. And without that, um, I'm just not the same person. I don't know if it's the same for you. Like, is that when you yeah. say you have kind of this routine? What does yours look like? Oh, man, you only want to know. <laughs> All right, you, uh, all right. I'll do, you open the door. We'll go through it. So when I wake up, then I do a routine of calisthenics, followed by stretching, followed by meditation. Then I make a coffee, and then I read, and then I journal, mm-hmm. and then I come up with a, an idea that can help someone some way or another. So maybe it's something that I did, or uh, you know, an area where I failed, and maybe I can share that failure. <laughs> Absolutely riddled with failure. So I can share all those failures with people and help them um, be better. And then when I do that, then I'll, I'm learning to Spanish extremely s- slowly. <laughs> but uh, I'll go through this little app that I do. And then you know, I get ready for work. And then I walk to work. And then I listen to a book on audiobook and pick up garbage on the way <laughs> to get to work. And then I reward myself with a kale... <laughs> a kale uh, protein powder shake it's chocolate it's delicious it's delicious yeah 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 that's my morning routine thank you for sharing that i I think there's a lot of people out there who are actually really interested in hearing how other leaders run their mornings and i i think that's because when we own a business that is an agency model there could be a lot of things going on in a given day and having something in the morning that helps us really get focused and tuned into us and remind us why we're here i think that helps in building a business yeah for sure yeah so if you if you understand the concept of habit and building positive habits you do the same positive habit every single day you get really strong without even realizing it doesn't even take that long. It's about 66 days to develop a, a good habit. And then you start stacking those habits on top of each other, similar to how you would stack retainer clients on top of each other, right? So you start to build a wall of success for your personal life. That's uh, that's a concept that I've been living by now for a good five years. And it's made remarkable differences in my life. I was going to ask you, have you read the book Atomic Habits? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it sounds yeah. like you, it sounds like you live by that that mm-hmm. ideas in that book, building these atomic habits over time creates gigantic success. Yeah, there's so much there's so many 
interesting things about habit building. I, I suppose it might sound really boring, but I'm fascinated by it. For instance, there's a trigger and a reward and then the stuff in between. And if you start a habit, your brain activity jumps up a little bit. But then once you're in the process of the habit, you're, you're not thinking at all. You're just doing the thing because you've conditioned your, yourself. So what you're doing is you're reducing your brain power. The more habit-based things that you do, you're reducing your brain power over that period. And then uh, with the reward, there's a little bump in your mental activity as well. So then we start stacking and looping these habits together. You create this foundation where you're not actually thinking very much, but you're doing so much more than the average person. It's a fascinating concept that I've like, I'm like, I'm so on a mission right now that like, what is the ultimate habit loop? <laughs> I'm such a, such a. <laughs> I was going to ask you if you could share uh, an example of how you continue to nurture your leadership skills. And it sounds like you answered that. It sounds like nurturing your habits has been an ultimate way for you to build up your leadership skills. Yeah. Yeah. So I read, right. So one of my, I think it's 27 habits in the morning. And then I have an afternoon and I also have an evening routine. The reading and also journaling and practicing gratitude. So part of my journaling, I'll write three things I'm grateful for every day. And I have a prime and then I have a, a mission, right? And then I write whatever is on my mind. So th- all of these things have a cumulative effect of stronger leadership. I am way more calm now than I was 10 years ago. So when there's a difficult, stressful situation, I'm going to handle it significantly different today as I would have 10 years ago or even five years ago, for sure. Um, so that's helpful. The books I read tend to be focused more on leadership, helping other people, et cetera. And they all start to, they all really start to blend in when you get down to it. So that's like a self-educational situation. And then the audio book is just another way to continue to teach myself. I did feel about six months ago that I needed to talk to, I felt kind of lonely a little bit, like in the leadership space. And uh, I talked to this super business dude. His name is Joe Corris. And he is like my ultimate hero. He's done like some amazing things in his career. Um, He has been very, very kind with his time. So I will periodically with my tail beneath my leg. I don't know why, but I'm always like, can you please spend some time with me and give me an hour, you know, but he'll sit down with me and we'll have a coffee and it's fantastic. So I do have an opportunity to talk to, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't super businessy people that have done amazing things in their career. And I'm, I think I'm at that place now where I'm, I'm starting to enjoy seeking out people that have gone through way more experiences than me so I can learn from there. And then I like to apply those things to our staff. Mentorship. That's the key word. Throughout the years that I've owned my business and even when I was working a a job, a a nine to five, that's the one thing that I've always known has been important to me too. And that is having a mentor that can look at the things that I'm doing or going through and speak candidly about them. That's That's just, there's so much value in that. Trusting, first of all, a mentor is someone you trust. So the information they give you, even sometimes it's hard information to take, you take it, you take it and you're like, okay, let me go back. And <laughs> even though I, it's a little hard for me to swallow right now, yeah. let me think about it. Right? Yeah. And I think that's where change happens is when we're able to have someone speak the hard things into our lives. Who's your mentor? 
I have a mentor uh, that I've been working with for about five years. I won't share her name here on the podcast, but uh, she is a mentor in two aspects of my life, which really is encompasses a lot more than two aspects of my life. That is business. So she is a, a successful business owner and she is also a spiritual leader. So she mm-hmm. is a leader at our church. And mm-hmm. so we've been connected for five years. And I find that when she is mentoring me, I love that she comes from the perspective of not just let's build a profitable business, but let's build a profitable business that like you, like you have in your heart that gives back to people that does something for the benefit of people. And so I just, I feel, I feel really blessed to have her in not just my business, but my life. And that's what I think a true mentor is. It's not just about, Hey, I have a business mentor and that, that mentor is my business mentor. For me, it's like, yeah, she mentors me on business, but the impact she has is on my life. Yeah. That sounds really good. Yeah. She's amazing. Joel, I want to ask you one last question. Actually, this is the second to last question, but before we jump in the last question, what keeps you inspired and at your very best right now? I have a, I talk, apparently I talk a lot about failure, but I have a very sincere fear of failure, which is ends up being like a big driver. And then also I really want my wife and kids to be proud of the man that I am. Those two things tend to keep me centered and focused. And where can people find you? Yeah. Well, on this podcast, (laughs) this is the best. Right on this podcast, and yeah. do you have a website or social media handles that you? Yeah, share? probably. I think LinkedIn is probably the best place to see me. LinkedIn dot com slash. I will find your LinkedIn. Time, I think. Yeah, I will find your LinkedIn link, and I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Thank you so much, Joel, for joining us today. This has been amazing. Thanks for allowing me to have a great Virgin Podcast experience. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Small But Mighty Agency podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes. It would mean the world to me. Or send a screenshot on Instagram while tagging me at Audrey Joy Kwan.